Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 75. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And each week, Wilson and I share a classic movie we have seen with Charles that he has not seen. This week, we watched the 1965 movie, The Sound of Music. So, Charles, tell us about this classic. <laughs> okay, so this movie stars Julie Andrews as Maria, and she is assigned to become the governess of a mansion with seven children. Uh, and their father is a former Navy officer who's lost his wife and uh, runs the family like a military. Um, and Maria teaches the family how to sing and brings to them the power of music and brings them all together and teaches them to love each other. Um, and in the process, she falls in love with the captain and they get married. And then Germany takes over Austria and they have to flee the Nazis and they get away to Switzerland. Yeah, I, I'm curious, um, before we dig into why Crossman chose this movie, is did you know Nazis were in this movie? I had a feeling. I heard it was a World War II okay. setting movie. Because I've, I've heard from people that they watch this movie and then it's like all of a sudden that guy just throws up the highlight. Yeah, that's very it, jarring. It's like out of nowhere. <laughs> Rolf. <laughs> yeah, fucking Rolf, a piece of shit. Um, anyway, uh, Crossman, this was, this was your pick. Uh, why'd you land on Sound of Music? I mean, this is the reason why we do this podcast. Is like, right, this yeah. is a <laughs> yeah. classic movie. Yeah, it's and one that is widely beloved. Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, how I missed this one because my parents showed me Mary Poppins and I saw that one like a hundred times, but I never got around to this one. I'd only seen maybe like one scene in elementary school or something the, like that. The two kind of go hand in hand. Right. They're, like this movie is kind of like Mary Poppins. If Mary It's almost Pop a shared universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like if Mary Poppins weren't a creepy weirdo. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sound of music. Yeah. <laughs> um, Can Julie Andrews ever be a creepy weirdo? Mary Poppins is kind of creepy, right? Like there's something a little unsettling about her. Right. The, the, I, I haven't seen it okay. since elementary it's, school. It's I been think, a long so. time since I've seen Mary Poppins. That, that is so what I, I recall of that character. Can I um, comment on it? Okay. Well, <laughs> in this movie, uh, Maria is definitely not a creepy weirdo. She's super yeah. nice all the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a very loosely historical film, too. I, really? I checked out the history. Well, the Von Trapp <laughs> family singers were like a big sure. deal. Okay. But the, With that exact name, too? Yes, they're real. Oh. The children's names are all changed, okay. though. They're none overlap of the seven. Okay. To make them even more Austrian. Uh, <laughs> Maria and Georg were their real names, though, Okay. Uh, of the parents. Um, I checked out the history because I was interested in like how this like lined up to reality, and it does not Imagine that. at <laughs> all. Um, the Von Trapp family left Austria well before it was annexed by the Nazis. They did leave because they were they were not they did not they want to be Nazis. a part of the Third <laughs> yeah. Reich. Mm -hmm. um, and but they were in the U.S. like I think in, by the mid twenties even hmm. yeah. Um, and Georg, was, how could they have predicted the Nazis that early? Wow, that's that's some impressive. Well, foresight. so they were visiting the U.S. in the mid-20s because okay. they were already like a singing group, right? And then they left Austria officially as uh, as it looked like it was going to be annexed by the Third Reich. However, Georg died in 1937, and Austria was not annexed by the Third Reich until, uh, mm. until 1938. Yeah, and World War II doesn't break out until 39. Um, I, I did a lot of work on this because <laughs> I, I read the, the wiki article and I found it to be very confusing. So I had to do, your like, do other research out of Wikipedia, which I'm loath to do because <laughs> that means I have to like put real effort into it. Yeah. Um, the other things that like apparently were not true is uh, Georg is very stern 
and then he kind of like warms up. Right. In the that's film, the arc of the character. that's apparently not true at all. Just kind of he was like known as like a very nice and like amiable oh, person. Okay. The other way. Right? He was like he was way into music and encouraged his children to be involved in music. Um, he was much older than Maria, who apparently didn't really like Georg. <laughs> But she liked the children a lot, and so she like married into the family for that the reason. Kids. Like okay. she felt like she was a mother to the children. Interesting. Um, and Maria was apparently the like kind of the stern taskmaster, where she would wow. kind of like blow up at people, and like she was known <laughs> to be like verbally abusive. Uh, oh man! So yeah. This is basically fiction then, which is how I approach the film anyway. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so what ended up happening apparently was like in the 50s, the real Maria von Trapp sold the film rights to a German company, and there were two German, West German films that were made about the von Trapp family. There was the first one that was very successful, and then they made a sequel about their life in the U.S. And then they sold the rights, the U.S. rights to Rodgers and Hammerstein, okay. who created the play, which is very popular, and then they created the musical film after this. Okay, uh, which is a very common pattern in that era. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, however, Marie von Trapp got no money for any of this, <laughs> except for her original sale of the rights of the story. Damn. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they were known in the US in the 50s and 60s and were very popular. So she, I think she was on Carson or Sullivan or whatever, and like, they were like a known so she was living comfortably. musical group. Yeah, I don't know if they were living comfortably, but they were like a well-known musical group in the U.S. in the fifties and sixties. Huh. They did not profit off this film at all. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of nuts because this is yeah. this is a gigantic hit. Like this movie made it was a hit like immediately. I think so. Like people love this. It's Julie Andrews, right? Like people yeah, like people, it a lot. This okay. is a, a smash success yeah. okay. too. It was one of the like biggest. And still well, I don't know about one of the biggest. Like, but people, people still cite this as like one of their favorite musicals, like a movie they grew up with. This is one of those childhood yeah. films. Um, the version of the film that I downloaded mm -hmm. came in at four hours and 44 <laughs> minutes. Uh, oh it was not a director's cut. The reason was that there was a, a documentary about the film after the credits, okay. which I watched about maybe 20 minutes of while I was looking at my cell phone. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> It was mostly like a travel tourism video for Salzburg, and it's like Julie Andrew returns to Salzburg in 2015 and like records this like travel okay, I mean, commercial for Salzburg. Essentially, a good chunk of Sound of Music is a commercial for Salzburg. So. Yeah, it's shot. Yeah. It's shot in Salzburg, and she's like revisiting the scenes mm -hmm. where they shot. So she goes to like the mansion and like yeah. the steps where they're doing the sofa yeah. stuff and like yeah. other spots around. They go to a marionette theater. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what are parts of this movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the people in it, there's like obviously tourism officials like in the movie, okay. but they're like, yeah, people come to Salzburg because of Sound of Music. Like, wow. Like, it really put like Salzburg on the map as you know, like a travel destination. It's funny because last year yeah. I went on a trip to Germany yeah. and we went to Salzburg. Yeah. But I hadn't seen Sound of Music yet, obviously. So I had some yeah. friends giving me like a weird, weird yeah. look when I said we were going to visit Salzburg and said I didn't see hadn't, seen, yeah. hadn't seen the movie yet. But having seen the movie now, I recognize some of the parts that I visited, and they're all quite beautiful. And it yeah. kind of, you know, brought back memories of the trip. It was okay. very nice. Yeah, cool. like the nunnery uh, was the real mm. thing in Salzburg. Yeah, cool. So yeah, they like yeah. inter. There's like the. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. There's like a plaza, but there's like a, a bunch of arches or something like that, some columns. Yeah. And I remember we kind of stopped there because there was like a really good street performer underneath 
that like row of columns performing yeah. it brought me back that memory as well. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I was, I, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. Same. And I was surprised. I didn't even remember that it was shot that much on location. Like, almost all of it is on location. So all the interiors are shot in L.A. Right. All the exteriors are Salzburg. <laughs> right, but yeah. all of the exteriors are yeah. Salzburg. <laughs> Which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, it, there's some really striking shots in this movie. Like, it is often gorgeous to look at. Yeah. Like, Even the it, like in the travel documentary, it's yeah. like... It's all pretty much the same still. I bet. And it looks amazing. Yeah. For even for this like low rent like travel commercial. Right. And like, you can tell that that's what the movie is pitching, right? Like it open like e even before the credits, you get these shots the of the sweeping shot of the mountain over like, the yeah. city, over this big lake that they have, and then Julie Andrews singing like they're they're leading with their two big strengths here, right? Like yep. the location and Julie Andrews' voice, and like those things get billing ahead of. The title of the film, <laughs> and like, literally everybody else. They know involved why people it. are here. Exactly, and that is pretty uncommon too, right? To see that kind of cold open, especially in the '60s, uh, for That's a movie. That's true. I do remember hearing about how they had to fight for Star Wars not to begin with credits. Yeah. That's true. And, and that was, you know, 12 years later. Right. So here, and, and this required some significant star power and, like, a reliable property, right? Like, this was already a big smash hit on Broadway. Yeah. Uh, Julie Andrews was not, like, a known actor at this point. She, she, uh, didn't she do this role on Broadway, though? Uh, I don't know about that. She was okay. a Broadway actor. Yeah. Um, but she was not, like, a film actor. She had shot That's Mary true. Poppins, but it hadn't been released by the time that she had been oh, really? signed to do Sound of Music. Oh, okay. So she's basically like a nobody film-wise. Yeah. yeah, in film, yeah. but like, I, I, yeah. she was a big Broadway star, right? Which yeah. is why like when they did My Fair Lady, and because she was Elias Doolittle in My Fair Lady, and she was replaced by our friend Audrey Hepburn in the film, and that was kind of a, a minor scandal mm. um, at the time, mm. because she had this role for years on Broadway and was not getting it in the film. And they brought the male lead back for the film. <laughs> so it's like, uh, it's kind of sticking it to Julie. Um, but it feels like they know where their strengths are here with Sound of Music. And it's just like, here they are. This, these are the two yeah, things sure. that brought you here. Uh, what struck me on this rewatch, I also hadn't seen it in a long yeah. time. Um, all the stuff that I remembered was pre the break in the film. Yeah, the uh, first half of this film is much stronger than the second half. Yeah, that was yeah. like all the stuff I remembered. Yeah. I like did not remember almost anything from the second half. That was like a new movie to me. <laughs> I didn't know any yeah. of that existed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought it was just her like meeting up with the family and doing all the music stuff, and then they all like love each other, and then the movie's over. Well, it could have been right. Yeah. Like they they even like have a beat where it feels like the movie is ending after they get married, right? Like it pans up the top of the church, and you have this this look over the town and everything and then it pans back down and there's Nazis there. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like, oh, <laughs> I, guess, I guess this is happening now. It's like, there's 40 minutes left in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I I watched this in two settings. It was it was too much. I thought, I thought I did it all. the middle part dragged on a bit. The whole like Baroness subplot I wasn't a huge fan of. Uh, it, the stakes don't seem super high there because the Baroness is like, you're in love with it. And she's like, yep. And then, like, she goes, she leaves. Yeah. And then comes, comes back. back comes and right back. The, they're getting married. And the Baroness is like, Bummer. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I guess and I And then lose. Georg's like, Let's not get married. And then <laughs> it's like 10 minutes where we're like, yeah, concerned that she's not going to get married. It's like a TV show where yeah. they're trying to insert drama to get a few more episodes. In. Yeah. So I think yeah. for me, the reason that that didn't work is that they didn't establish 
of Maria's devotion to her faith, right? Because what's supposed to be drawing her back to the convent is that, oh, she's breaking her vow as a nun, right? And that, like, she shouldn't be having these worldly desires. She should be devoting herself to God and Jesus. And they don't do anything to build they, to that. They she, didn't really, like, outline that. No, so at, at it all. it seemed more like she was worried that she was, like, messing things up between the Baroness and ca the captain. Uh, see, I, I didn't, I, I like thought that. the reason that they were, that they pitched in the movie was that she needs to return to the nunnery because she's a nun first. Um, and they don't establish that earlier yeah. at all. At all, yeah, and uh, the nuns aren't like super upset about it either. They're just like, yeah, cool, like go for it, right? And like, they have they're like the loosest, like the chillest nuns, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why don't you go hang out with these kids for a few months? Yeah. yeah. Well, and then the, we get the most unnecessary song in the movie, where the the sister, mother, superior, whatever her name is, the the climb the climb the mountain song. That like, well, <laughs> totally that one comes about. back at the end, so that's important. Yeah, because they're literally climbing a mountain. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's that's a hell of a scene though. That, like, that's yeah. a very challenging because the character is. <laughs> like not in the rest of the movie pretty much yeah. and then just does a solo <laughs> song right. on her own and yeah. then is gone it was i was like pretty amazed i was like damn that's like that role is very challenging because like <laughs> you know you're just not in this movie but you have this like kind of pivotal scene in oh, the i felt yeah. like that could have just been cut like that feels oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. But I like was like very impressed by okay. the actor. That's that's generous of you. Like she did, yeah. she did a fine job, right? She sang the song, et cetera, et cetera. But um, hit some highs, hit some highs. But it just yeah. felt like one of the least memorable songs um, in this movie. Speaking yeah. of which, uh, Charles, you said you knew two songs. It or, turns out I knew more actually. Okay. This, right, because yeah. I had the same experience watching it this, here. This was it was yeah. it was like when I went and saw Carmen. The sure. opera, yeah, and I was like, okay, I, I don't know if I know any of these songs because I don't know anything about opera. And then right. I knew like half the songs because it's like every <laughs> iconic opera song is from Carmen. That, it that turns is out the opera, yeah, right. So it turns out I knew actually like four or five songs. From yeah, this there's movie. a lot. I there's just a lot. Forgot of that they were in pretty this movie. iconic songs. This movie. Yeah, I forgot that the sixteen going on seventeen song was here. Who, yeah, oh, I, really? Yeah, that's. That was, I didn't know that was from I, here. What shocked me was how early in the movie that is. Yeah, I'll it's like mm -hmm. twenty minutes in, and it's one thing that like. It's another it's like a, one of many iconic moments. Yeah, especially film. that specific line and that surprisingly creepy uh, the, song too. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> talking about how all these grown men are going to line up for. And oh, now that she's God. 17 years old. Someone in the travel doc after the movie, there's this woman. She's like in Salzburg. They're interviewing her. It's just like a random tourist, and yeah. she's like. That she said that's my theme song. She's Creepy. like, 16 going on 17, that's my theme song. I was like... What does that mean? I was like, I don't know, but I'm like, <laughs> this is... Uh, it only applies like, for one year of your that life. Should, that should not be your theme song. No. That it is, can mean many things and they're all troubling. Very, yeah, very troubling. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I forgot that that song was in here. The other yeah. ones I had remembered, I think, um, but it's still surprising like how many like, iconic musical songs are... Yeah. Are in this one. What were the ones that you recognized? Uh, so there was the Sound of Music. There was Doa the Doa Deer. Yeah. There was my favorite things. Yeah, like sixteen going on seventeen, and the So Long Farewell. Yeah, of you saying goodbye. Uh, yeah. That's that of all the songs is, I think is referenced the most in yeah, like other media. Yeah, and it's yeah. one of the in a movie full of goofy songs. It's one of the goofier ones. Yes, <laughs> and I think that that like makes it kind of ripe for parody and yeah. and so forth. Um, I liked Edelweiss a lot in this song, the Christopher Plummer playing Edelweiss. I don't know if that's actually him or not, but I, th I thought that was actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It, I was convinced. Yeah, it probably yeah. was. Yeah, why not? Um, 
but yeah, there's this this movie is just one song you recognize after another. Yeah. And, and then a few I, random incredible. ones that yeah. I had never heard yeah. of and didn't really like that much, but you just kind of... Yeah, there's a reason them. we know the ones that we know yeah. here. Exactly. <laughs> um, they, it, they, like, don't bring them back in the rest of the movie as well. So, right. like, all, the, all the good ones, they, they play at least twice. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, this is, uh, in many ways, just the, the classic Roger and Hammerstein's musical. Like, this is kind of the... It's not the prototype because it's not the first one. Oklahoma was the first one, mm -hmm. but it is maybe the platonic ideal of <laughs> this I mean, it's, kind of. It's got to be like a masterpiece for them, right? Yeah, like this, this is exactly is, what they want to be doing. This is to the test of time. All mm -hmm. the music is incredibly iconic. Yep, it's defined musicals. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. every plot beat is a song, right? Like every time anybody makes any kind of decision or anything changes, there is a song involved. Yeah, it's a big grand romance that plays out over the course of. You know, with a bunch of rich people over the course of three hours, right? Like, it, this is exactly the kind of movie they want to be making. Part of the reason that maybe the second half of the movie, like, doesn't work so well is the first half of the movie is, like, so clearly shot as a play. Mm -hmm. Like, all mm -hmm. the blocking is very, like, play-like, like, where the actors stand and, like, how they move. And, like, it's, it's all, like, it looks exactly like a play would. <laughs> I mean... No, I'm sorry. Finish your thought. Uh, the, the second half of the movie, that like that doesn't seem to happen. There's like this whole like action it's, sequence. It's that, more like, cinema. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually. I, I think that it is blocked like a play. I think that's well observed. But I was yeah. impressed with how many, you know, actual shots, like thoughtful shots that there, and memorable shots oh, there were in this. movie. It shot amazingly well. The art director is right. incredible. So yeah, yeah, I think that it was it was blocked yeah. like a play, but it's not or shot like. Photography. Yeah, it's yeah. not shot like a play. Right, like I think that it's no, no, it's not like a movie, but the, yeah. the way that the the scenes are set up is yes. as a play. Yes, I mean because like, a lot of them are in the same room and they're in a, the same space. I'm for sure a they while. just took the script of the play and we're like, okay, let's like put some meat on the bones here, and we yeah, got wait, it. Does movie. That they had a play version that had no music in it. No, 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 no it, it was, was a, it was. It's musical. called the Sound of Music. Yeah, <laughs> of course there was music. Well, in when it. you say a play, uh, well, a musical play. Yeah, but yeah, it's stage. Okay. Stage play. Just making sure. No, no, this was yeah, this was always a musical. Okay. That's all that's all Roger and Hammerstein do is, yeah. is musicals. Yeah, particularly when they're in the nunnery, particularly they have this like very choreographed movement of all the mm -hmm. nuns that are singing the Maria song. Yeah. Um and that that looks exactly like you would at play. Like how people move around is like very, yeah, and, and very stage. -like. All of the choreography for the kids. Yeah. Very stagey. You know, you go here and then when you yeah. hit this line you move here and then this line you move over here. Yeah. yeah uh, that kind of stuff. That's another song that I forgot was in this movie is um, what do you do with a problem like Maria? Yeah. I thought that was West Side Story because there's a character named yeah. Maria in there too. <laughs> I never heard that song. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's I, actually, I like that song. Actually. I do too. It's, yeah. it's fine, but I definitely thought it was in West Side Story. Yeah. <laughs> but different Maria song. They also are like, they establish very quickly, this is a musical because they're yes. just like talking and then like, a beat goes, and then they're like breaking <laughs> the song. Yeah. Yeah. Breaking a song it's out like, of nowhere. This is normal. Yeah, yeah. and it has that like very particular musical enunciation, yes. right? Where like they know that every audience member needs to understand every lyric on the first try, uh -huh. and you like you enunciate very clearly everything you're singing, and that is not what you hear in music in general outside of a musical theater or musical film context, uh, and it's very present here. <laughs> Very present. Yeah. I mean, it's also like, it, this is also a Roger Hammerstein thing, but a musical thing in general where characters act in like really broad ways, right? Like, where they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're very much types, I think, throughout this movie. And people like deliver platitudes 
sincerely as though their original thoughts and other characters are impressed with them when they say them. And that again feels very typical of musicals to me, like that, sure. that it's that kind of broad, open-ended characterization. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do you like this movie? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah? Okay. Uh, a little long. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little long. <laughs> what's it, 254, it, it I was think? A, it was a delight still. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, this was, I think, maybe the first time, not the first time, but the most, uh, in, in the course of our doing this show, that I really didn't want to watch the movie. Like, when you, when you picked on a music, my memory of this movie was that it's this cloying, treacly, overlong, bloated music. I forgot how long it was. Yeah. When I picked and, it. But I actually really enjoyed it. Like, I was surprised how much I liked it uh, when I sat down to finally watch it because I put it off for a while. I, I think the first half is. <laughs> Great. I, yeah. I agree. The second half, that like drags, or it's like right. Which is, right. but you're kind of along for the ride at that point anyway. Yeah. And well, like, I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> I watched it too. I mean, there were there were pro like the, I think the low point is when uh, Chris Plummer and Julie Andrews really have their, you know, I love you moment, and I, I felt like that should have been more than it was. And it's just not believable. Like. Yeah, and it, I it, wasn't convinced by their relationship at all. That's yeah. just the thing. I was convinced by the relationship really? up until that point. Oh. <laughs> like once yeah. they get there, like that, I think was so ineptly handled, and just it, it felt like what I liked about the relationship up until then is that it was so well driven by who these characters were, right? Like we knew who they were before they got together and how they got together seemed grounded in what motivated them as people, right? Like you could see what was appealing about each of them in to each other. And they just drop that in that scene. Like it's this extended scene where they're singing to each other and professing their love and there's nothing about either of these people in that scene. Right, it, it, it felt like you could have inserted any two characters from any musical into that <laughs> script and sure. had them sing that song and it would have it worked and it was also, just as poorly. It was also a really dark scene. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. I couldn't tell what was going on. Peculiarly uh, poorly lit. Yeah. yeah, But to me it felt like the switch from like them clashing to being in love felt very sudden and forced. I, so I think that this movie works better, it makes more sense to me when I look at it at, as the captain's story rather than Maria's story, mm. right? Because Maria is not a dynamic character, mm -hmm. right? She, she, where she ends the movie is basically where she begins the movie. She's, uh, she's earnest, she's sincere, she's sweet, she is accepting of people, and she is also that <laughs> at the end of the movie, and that's fine. Whereas I think what you see with the Chris Plummer character is a widower. You see a man mourning and mm -hmm contending with that loss in the only way that he knows how, which is hyper-masculine, mm -hmm. right? And very performative and very much about instituting structure in a world that is not structured, right? That, is, mm -hmm. that, is, that he doesn't understand and protecting the only thing he has left, which is his, his children, and he does that with rules. And you can see how he learns from the Maria character and from the children themselves over the course of this film. And to me, that dynamic of him seeing that he can't control everything and that that's okay and that perhaps it's even good that his children are put in unsafe or uncontrolled environments sometimes and that he himself can be placed in those environments and be okay is effective and I think mm -hmm. that it works in that movie and I, I, that's what I like most about this film is that character's arc. I think it's, it works really well for me um, and to see a, a man's grief depicted in a way that's not overt and but still felt and still real um, I, I enjoyed that a lot. So that's what I like. I, I did like his arc. It just didn't feel quite right the way they depicted 
uh, the romance between him and Maria developing. Yeah, uh, to me, I, I guess... You have to think, this is a 60s context, so you can't, uh -huh. like, show things. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Like, you can't even... I don't, yeah. Like, on-screen kisses are, like, even, like, a big deal in the 60s, so... Yeah, this yeah. movie had, like... They had a few of them. One or two? I guess yeah. between Julie Andrews and Chris Blummer. Um, but yeah, that's about and it. Liesel and Rolf. And Liesel and Rolf. <laughs> Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Rolf. <laughs> he was 100% the villain of this movie. He totally is. Yes. Yeah. I, my, I, I think my favorite part with Rolf is at the very end when he's the one that catches them. Yes. Right. And I, I thought this was handled surprisingly well. Yeah. And actually, I think that movies made today would not handle it well, but... Right. Tell us. Yeah. Okay, so what I liked about it yeah. is that he wasn't persuaded, right? Like that yeah. Chris Plummer goes up to him and it's like, You're better than this, this isn't who you are. You're you can you have time to turn back, you're still young and he like disarms him and he has the gun and you think that he's yeah. gonna be like, Oh, okay, I'll run away with you and help you hide from the Nazis and he fucking doesn't. He just like yeah. rats him out immediately and runs off and like brings well, like, the SS over. Chris Plummer kinda pushes him a bit with the like you'll never be one of them, right? And that makes him Well like, whatever like conviction. It's sure, but Well I, I think and this is something that we're contending with today is the the myth of like the good Nazi. Right. And this film is like very no adamant that like there aren't any. if you think that this person is good, you are actually incorrect. Yeah. And I I think it, that's an important statement. And it's and Rodgers and Hammerstein are are because well, they yeah. were contemporaries, right? They were yes. around yeah. when when Nazi Germany rose to power. Yes, right. Like they literally saw it happen. Yeah, and yeah. So they they know the myth of the good German, right? Like they they get it, and yeah. I think you see it in this movie. And yeah, we've thought, we've definitely not learned that lesson. Not at all. No. <laughs> like yeah. not at all. <laughs> the New York Times in particular, not learned. <laughs> it's the lesson. not learned that yeah. lesson, right? Like it's not <laughs> worth trying to reform these people. It's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. They, when, when somebody, it, it's an old adage, but when somebody tells you who they are, believe them, <laughs> and it's one hundred percent true, especially yeah. with Nazis. And yeah, so that was that was a, a really well chosen point. And same thing with the the older guy, older old guy that they have at the party who's yes. advocating for the Nazis early on, who just oh, what do you know? Later on, he is an, actually a Nazi, and he's forcing people to... He's moved up in the Nazi world. And, right, yeah, right. He, yeah. he wasn't just, you know, playing with this idea intellectually, right? Like, it was an actual belief that he held. So when these people say stuff like this to you, take it seriously. Oh, yeah, I don't think the movie said anything otherwise about that. No, guy. no, I agree. I, I, I'm I, saying this is the message of yeah. the film, and they're right. <laughs> I think the movie also plays well with patriotism, too. Yeah. Like one of the things that they point out is, like, oh, you don't have a flag on your house. Mm -hmm. It's like, that, that's well, like they were like so crime. affronted when he had his Austrian flag out. Yeah. Right when yeah, it should be the the swastika, and, and you get that great GIF right <laughs> that yeah. shows up on the internet now and then of Chris Plummer yeah, tearing like the Nazi tearing the, the I've banner. I've not seen that one. Oh really? Yeah, I see I've, a lot yeah. of GIFs. Okay, well that that moment where he tears the banner is it, you can see. I, it. I did love the line of the little girl saying maybe the flags with the little black spiders on them are making people anxious. <laughs> yeah, it's like well yeah, <laughs> you're kind of right. <laughs> uh, so yeah. You, He's a good character in that respect as well. So yeah, this movie has actually pretty good politics, especially for the sixty. Yeah, very 65. good. Um, and you know, a, you know, big, broad, family-friendly studio film. And a fairly like liberal interpretation of like Catholicism too. Yeah, where it's like, that's true. Yeah, like you know, maybe know, maybe it's okay to not like be what your heart you know tells you to do. Right, which yeah. is definitely not what Catholicism looked like in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> that is not. True. I was very surprised by that. Yeah, yeah, that was. I did love generous. the moment at the end when the nuns had like sabotaged the cars and yes. like forgive me for we've we sinned <laughs> and they pull out the fucking stuff yeah. from the car. It's that's like, comedy yeah. gold. Right yes, there. It yeah, it is a really great moment in the film. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, that was like one moment that's a little like seared into my memory from watching this as a kid. Yeah. Really? I, I don't know why that moment, but I just remember like, I like knew it was coming. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely did not. Yeah. As soon as I said we sinned, I knew what ha was going to happen, but I didn't know it was going to be literally, yeah. that reveal. Literally pull out these big old car parts. <laughs> Whatever yeah. the hell they are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun to imagine like these nuns crawling around on the ground underneath <laughs> the car, like pulling out whatever it is they need Who's to pull the out. Who's the spark plugs? They pulled the Is that what plugs. it was? Okay. So I yeah. guess I just Because the, the engines top. like can't turn over. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah that it, just the the imagery that would have to lead up to that moment is <laughs> amusing yeah. to me. Uh, what do we think of the kids? A I, bunch of kids. They're incredibly talented. Yeah, like, that's true. The, all the whole group. It must were have been a nightmare actually, to cast this movie. Were yes. they actually singing? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. they're very good at singing. Yeah, yeah they yeah. are. <laughs> I mean, these kids are probably like Could you put in Imagine having to cast seven kids who can sing yeah, know, right? well enough, like yeah, like, for this film at different ages, and like have the, them all get along with each other and coordinate all their shit, and like not yeah. be nightmares. You need specific ages and genders, and they all need to be like amazing singers, like right. And and yeah. then they have to be able to act like at least competently. And, and they do, like they're they do. good in this film. Like, yeah. they, I, think, I think most of them are the typical like child actor performance. I think Liesl does a pretty good job because she's the oldest one. Yeah, well, she's the only one that has a, really much of a character. That's true. Yeah. The other, like the younger song. kids, like know at least like how to ham it up for the camera because there's yeah. a lot of scenes that are like, oh, little kid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But not to the point where it's annoying. It's just like it just like underlines the like comedy and like a yeah. in a hearty way more so than like right a, well and again that yeah. speaks to good direction yeah right that that you can control that kind of cast for that amount of time in very complex choreography yes too. like mm -hmm. the stairs dance the when they're on the bikes like mm -hmm. yeah it's a very elaborate dance well, yeah well, uh, and, when they're in the carriage that like really struck me when they're like doing the the salad yeah, whatever the, Do -a -deer. the song is. Yeah, Doe Deer. Yeah, Doe Deer. Yeah. When they're in the carriage and she's like pointing to each of them, they stand and say, "That's like, really hard." Yeah, yeah. that's really, that, really that could take like days to shoot that. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Well, not just to shoot it, but just to actually sing that song. It's also really a moving yeah. crane shot. Like yes, it's like, <laughs> like it blew my mind. Like how technically. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're piping it in afterwards, so they sing the song in the studio and then of they, they pipe it in. But yeah. nonetheless, you still have to act. You it. still have to act it and coordinate yeah, it, and they probably were actually singing it. You'd have to to get the timing down. Yeah, exactly. And like, because there's that moment where, yeah. like, she, Julie Andrews is directing all the children, and they each have a syllable assigned to them, yeah. and she does it in a certain order, and then she starts singing the melody on top of it, and they continue singing yep. their order underneath her, and like fucking nail it. Yeah, like that's phenomenally difficult. Yeah, <laughs> really, really hard to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really impressive. That whole sequence, that whole doe deer as they're like learning how to sing sequence. Stunning. It could take like a month to shoot a shot like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that whole montage there worked. <laughs> Never with mind it. the planning for it. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the storyboarding and whatever else went into it. And getting all that equipment because this is an American film. So they probably had to move equipment from mm. here overseas mm -hmm. into the fucking Austrian mountains and shit. And then move it all over this town yep. that is there to shooting, you know, live uh, on, on location. Yeah, yeah, and they don't—they don't have feet. gyroscoped cameras at that time yeah. too. So you have a moving shot that needs to be shot. Like, so they had to lay down track. Is someone yeah. just yeah. like holding it steady? They it's, have a it's track, on track, yeah, like okay. a train. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they would have to like block off a street, yeah, lay it all down, cue up how to how quickly to move the camera to coordinate with the the carriage, and then hit the performance at the right time. Huge undertaking. And they make it look so easy. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Also underlines that there are like no child labor laws in film <laughs> yeah. at this time, yeah. so I'm sure that all the children are being very harshly mistreated. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, plenty of them are probably still alive, so I wonder. Uh, I think five of the, I looked at the IMDb, I think it was four or five of the children are still alive. Okay, yeah. Uh, which is all the more impressive that Julie Andrews is still alive. She's and Chris like Plummer. 85. The both yeah, of them. Chris Plummer is yeah. like 89 years old now. He, he's yeah. really good looking for an 89 year he old was good. He looked a lot like. And they're he, both still acting. They're both, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Well, he did uh, the movie that the doesn't, Mar- doesn't have movie. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, what was it? He looks a lot like Ewan McGregor in this movie. Oh, yeah. I thought. It, I it thought was, he reminded me of Michael Fassbender. I could, yeah, I could see like something between the two of them. It might have been because Ian McGregor's in um, Moulin Rouge, which quotes yeah. this movie. Um, but I, to me, I, I looked at him and saw Ewan McGregor mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, I'd so. never seen him young before. Yeah, well, I forgot it, it was him. Like he, Same. Because yeah. you think of him as exclusively an old man now. Yeah. And I, I saw him in the credits. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that is Chris Plummer. <laughs> and because he looks drastically different. Yeah, yeah. A time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he—I really like his performance. I think he's great in this movie. Uh, I, I, I think it would have been pretty easy for that character to come across as cruel, and he doesn't. Like he comes—he comes across as is harsh or occasionally even mean. Right. But I don't think there's there's a point. But there's a humanity to it, right? Like That's you can true. you can always see like his reasoning behind it or like what got him to that point. Yeah. And I think that that it's hard, especially in the opening scene. It's hard to have that kind of. The, the heart, the humanity behind what's really a pretty harsh Taskmaster type character early in the film. Yeah. Um, and then his, his transition from the Taskmaster to of, you know, a loving father that you know, is willing to engage with his children as human beings <laughs> was plausible and also a very sharp break um, and that he can connect those two halves of the character into someone that feels like a coherent person. Yeah, I, I, that's could, good I could see like the difference in his performance as the movie advanced, right? He's starting to smile more. Right, He just right. looks a lot more warm. But it, I think it would be easy, like there are lesser actors that would just play that as like two different guys. Yeah. And I think you can still see the similarity between the two parts of this character to make them feel like a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't feel like you see a lot of male roles like this. No. Like the sort of like transformed and like kind of loving and emotional father yeah is like very rarely seen in <laughs> film yeah, yeah. well I, what happens more often is yeah. that you have a weak character who finds a moment where they can become strong yeah right and strong and strength is often communicated physically right like they're able to mm-hmm. overpower somebody they're able to confront someone that they aren't able to confront whereas or the growing growing in this movie is becoming more engaged with your emotions and able to express The trope in film now is yeah. it's the single dad. Yeah. It's always single dad stuff and that's like where you get the like more playful stuff. The Rock plays this character constantly. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's, yeah. he's the single dad <laughs> character. Right, right. And, and it's and like we can only get like emotion out of fathers if they've like gone through this like tragedy like yeah. I mean, which and, is what happens yeah. here. He is a single dad. Yeah. Right, like he, he's a widower, and he the bulk of this movie he is not married, and he has all these children to deal with. So he is a he is a single dad. Yeah, but I think I think films use this as like a handicap now, or it's just right. like oh, like they derive the character out of the fact that he's single, and not the fact that he's like gone through this emotional trauma. Yes, and uh-huh. talk about that. Like we like we saw in that stupid movie, um, um, fucking Rampage, Rampage, Rampage. <laughs> right? Yeah. <'Cause, laughs> 
it was it was underlined right that he was like a single guy and right it was like a part of his like stoicness and character it's a strong like, single dad so we had to like assume so much like from that yeah and also because that movie was garbage and didn't give us yeah anything. whereas like here it's like well acted in the transformation of the character is like impor important right, right. i think rarely it's seen on film and yeah. it's a transformation that moves away from toxic masculinity yes right mm -hmm. it's a transformation away from reservation and protecting yourself and putting up barriers between you and other people. It's a transformation towards being genuine, right, and caring and loving. And you don't see that that often. At least, true. You, and, and that's too bad. It's a, it's a major credit to this movie, I think. Yeah. Have you seen any other um, Rodgers and Hammerstein? Uh, what have they done? I haven't seen Oklahoma. You mentioned that one. West Side Story. I don't th think that was. Uh, I haven't seen very many musicals at all. <laughs> they so did have you seen West Side Story? I have not. Okay, Carousel. They did Carousel. Nope. Okay. This um, is like theater people are just screaming at us right now. <laughs> I'm not right. a theater person. No, uh, me neither. Uh, but I'm sorry. Yeah, these guys. They're they're kind of the Andrew Lloyd Webber of their era, right? Like they did a lot of big hits yeah. over and over again, and kind of set the tone for what musicals look like in this era, and well after it, <laughs> frankly. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, they're a, they're a big fat deal. Um, I know, South Pacific, uh, they did, which is, uh, takes place during World War II on a base in the South Pacific, and it's a yeah. bunch of singing soldiers, and feels a lot like this movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so The King and I, South Pacific, yeah, King and I. Oklahoma, Carousel, um, Showboat, which I've heard of, haven't yeah. seen. I mean, King and I is basically the same. This is identical to King and I. Right. They have a lot of movies going back to the 30s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're prolific. Wow. But yeah. I mean, King and I is woman shows up, single woman shows up to mentor older rich man who's standoffish and through her charms and womanly ways gets him to break down his walls hmm. and gets close to him. I see right. a pattern here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's very similar. Have you seen King and I? I believe I have. I yeah. don't re remember it. There's, I mean, there's some good beats in there too, uh, but it is a lot like this movie. That was that was struck by how similar they were. Yeah. Um, so, does this make you want to watch more musicals? Um, Less musicals. I don't think so. No. To okay. be honest, this like, doesn't sell you. What really, what really draw me to the musicals is like you know the iconic songs that I recognize. Right. Um, because I just kind of tune out for any of the ones that I don't recognize. Right. And it makes it feel like the movie's dragging on much longer than it is. Um, so Still not hours. every movie is going to have those. Like this is one of those few that has them. And that's why it's like such a well-loved masterpiece. Yeah. Um, after all these years, right? So. Uh, I would say that musicals aren't really my genre as a whole. Have you seen anything on Broadway? Like uh, Broadway, we're uh, in New York. I saw Avenue Q. Okay, that's a musical. Yeah, that counts. I, don't know. I think that might be the only musical I've seen. Have you seen on any, Broadway? Have you seen anything on Broadway? Uh, I saw Seventeen Seventy Six or whatever that one is. Um, I don't it's know. about the signing of the Declaration of Independence. No, that, that sounds it's, like Seventeen Seventy Six. It's not right? a. It's not a musical. It's oh, like okay. A, it's like a Sorkin-esque story about the like. <laughs> Getting it passed. Oh, okay. Did, yeah. Oh, get it, okay. Did it? Was it good? Uh, I, it's probably fine. I, don't, <laughs> I saw it when I was like twelve. So, oh, okay. So yeah, you kind of saw it. <laughs> I don't even know if that's the right name of the play, but it's about the like signing of the Declaration of Independence. It was on Broadway. The guy um, that played Data on Star Trek, he was oh. he was like the lead in it. Yeah. Like Thomas Jefferson or something. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No musicals yeah. though. On Broadway itself, no. Yeah, okay. Because I've seen Phantom of the Opera. I'm not a millionaire. So. Not a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw The Lion King. 
uh, which, you know, has I hear a little SpongeBob song. is really good. I've heard that too. I don't believe it. Like, <laughs> I literally just, <laughs> that, that sounds you're a kid. entirely implausible to me. Uh, that that's really good. Yeah, right. apparently the tickets are like a million dollars there because they. I think they just yeah, because rich parents all bring Tonys. all their all their kids to it. I think they just won a bunch of awards too. Oh, okay. really? Yeah, the, the Tonys, Tonys just, really got a week ago, right? Or, yeah, they just happened. Yeah. Uh -huh. Did you choose this because the Tonys just happened? No. Okay. I, I have like I have like no awareness of <laughs> musical theater or theater in general. Yeah. The only thing it like made me aware that the Tonys just happened because the De Niro said like oh yeah oh that was at the Tonys he said the f word at the Tonys <laughs> yeah yeah. Okay. yeah yeah exactly yeah. so like out of context <laughs> yeah right mm -hmm. uh, actually, yeah so now that event wow is De Niro really going out of limb yeah here. De Niro yeah. says the f word who, yeah. who knew wow uh, so I mean, that's what I mean it's so implausible that all these people freaking out about that care like actually whatsoever. give a shit right like have they have you seen anything he's ever done in his entire career. Like, the, doc, the guy swears. Like, it's Robert De Niro. I saw a hilarious video of this guy in Staten Island was like, <laughs> well, this is what I, th I'm like, like, he's like, I, I always, like, you know, believed in Robert De Niro. He's, like, part of my family, you know, sure. whatever. Yeah. He's okay. like, this is what I think of it now. And he has a frame picture of De Niro that he takes out. <laughs> yes. he, he walks out to his driveway, films us all, shatters it in the driveway, and then rips up the picture of De Niro. Like, all right. It was like... You showed him. Yeah, <laughs> got him. And then he smashed up his Keurig machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Like, there's this yeah. conservative trope of like destroying your property to make a point. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't understand it it's at all. It's because they value property rights more I than guess. human rights. Uh, like, yeah, there it is. It all comes together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But seriously, like, this guy must have just not been paying any attention to anything De Niro has done for the last 20 years. Like Every a a activity he's engaged in outside of, overt activity outside of film has been pretty clearly not conservative, right? He's not showing up on Fox News. He's not, he, he, I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> that guy's not much no. of a fan. And a, like the roles that he plays are like bad people. So like if you identify with his roles, like. Right. You're missing something. Yeah, you're, you don't understand, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But I mean, people do, right? Like this is a very common problem. That people, clearly. Yeah, media literacy, yeah. Media literacy, there it is. Yeah. They want to go be Che Clamata. It's like, well, maybe that's not a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, like any like closing thoughts in this film? There's a lot to like kind of chew on in this film. You, you um, guys got a favorite song? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. I was surprised how much I liked him in general. I guess I like I was kind of surprised by this movie. Period. Um, the Doa Deer sequence is so impressive to me. We I, talked yeah, about it earlier. I, I think it's the high point of the movie. I agree. Yeah, yeah I think that yeah. that's really where you see the best acting from these children. It's the best song in the movie. The most impressive cinematic sequences are there. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that's it. Uh, we have to talk about the Baroness and what we think of she's that character. She's kind of like in and out, right? Because yes. I feel like in a, in a contemporary movie, she would be like a bad person. Yeah, and she's uh, not necessarily here. Like she has one clearly overtly bad act where she like kind of lies or kind of like Joel's the Maria character in the Yeah, but she's not like Corella Deville or something. No, right. <laughs> yeah, she's like, or like the stepmom. She's in like just Cinderella kind of bad with kids. Right, which is yeah. not a evil thing. Like some people aren't good with kids. Yeah. That, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, what I what I think I found most striking about that character and that performance was that the actress was a good six or seven years older than Chris Plummer. Oh yeah. Yeah, which is something you literally never see and it like isn't mentioned right like they don't treat it as some sort of weird May-December relationship uh, and I found that pretty surprising um, similarly Julie Andrews is only like 
five years older than Liesl or something. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Are you, how old is the Liesl character? Because Julie Andrews was 29 when they shot this. Uh, I think she was like 22. When really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I was joking that she yeah. looked like she was in her 20s. Okay, that's funny. I'm not surprised. 16 going on 17. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so then she was only like five or six years younger than Chris Palmer at the time because he was in his mid-30s, I think, Yeah. when they made this. And I think they make her... They make the Julie Andrews character look younger, right? Like they, they age her down, and I think they try to age him up a little bit. Yeah. Which is kind of a weird choice. He wears a lot of smoking jackets. Exclusively, almost. That. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's almost all he I wears. Like, he looks real sharp. kind of chuckled whenever I saw it. I was like, what? Yeah, this movie's very concerned with clothing, right? Because you have him in all smoking yeah. jackets. You have Julie Andrews. That's why it's a play, too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. You, you, like, you communicate pages. so much through... Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause, well, because you can't communicate it through camera movement or... Yeah. It's harder to communicate it through changes in scenery. Yeah. Right? Like, it's the most practical way to communi- to visually communicate that kind of change. Um, and it carried over into the film, because you have the Julie Andrews character show up in her, the ugliest dress that the kids had ever seen. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> and uh, she, so she changes that. She adapts the drapes for the kids, so they have play clothes. You, you have her changing out of her habit and into civilian clothing. You have, obviously, all the Nazi uniforms um, later in the film. Right, so very, this movie is very concerned with uh, clo- changes in clothing, marking changes in character, mm-hmm. um, and changes in class. Uh, that uh, to me, it's where it works. It's effective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Marionette scene, very weird. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's another we didn't like need that one. Nope. They could cut that right out of the movie, and it would be totally Change nothing. Fine. Why was it there? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's but, there because there's like a. A culture of marionettes in Austria, I think. That is yes. true. Yeah, they yeah. visit in the documentary, the okay. marionette theater. <laughs> um, I guess that's one thing I was a little curious about that I haven't bothered to look up yet uh, is like the difference between like Germany and Austria because they seem very close. They they are, um, and World War. Well, I mean, like while World War One was happening, borders weren't as settled as you might expect them to be. Mm-hmm. So there are yeah. times throughout Germany's history. Germany was many different states, and then it was unified. At, right. I forget, in like the teens? It was 1870s yes. when yeah, they okay, yeah. became an empire. Right, yeah. and so Austria was kind of in and out, and there were plenty of Germans. Well, it had to be before the teens because of World War One. Right. But yeah, they were unified like pretty recently. Right, and, and plenty of Germans would or say relatively. that Austria is rightfully a part of Germany, and that it has no, they have no business claiming to be an independent nation, and that's why they were annexed. It's because the people mm-hmm. that believe that were Nazis, and they, yeah. they said, this is ours, and you know, that is Hitler's birthplace, right? Like, he, he had to claim that as part of Germany in order to legitimize his leadership, yeah. right? And there you go. So that, that, that is the reason that, the, or the shorthand version of the relationship between now, uh, Austria and Germany. Yeah, now it's like one of those, like, Luxembourg or Delaware like states where like if you need to like cut your taxes you can just like set up a corp in Austria and like claim all your profits there yeah uh, it did go back to becoming a distinct country again. It did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. After the war. That is that is correct. So I, I did not look up the history. I should that. look into like yeah. what the cultural differences are. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I couldn't speak to that, but the the broad scope of the history is that, especially in the the 20s and 30s, Germany, the Germans thought that not having Austria as part of Germany was a great humiliation. Mm-hmm. It was this this shaming moment. I wouldn't be Germany. surprised if geography was. I'm just spitballing here, but I wouldn't be surprised if like geography was an important differentiator here. That probably. there's probably a mountain range that separates Austria, and that's what allows them to like physically separate themselves. 
uh, in the way that like Switzerland did during World War II and other conflicts. That would uh, make sense to me. And they're on the border of Switzerland, so that would make sense as well. Yeah. So, I yeah, don't know. that stands to reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, marionettes, very unsettling. They're weird looking. Do not like it. <laughs> you really no, no, things. thank you. Firmly, they had the goats with the eyelashes. Don't on like them. it. Yeah, don't like it. And they, yeah, they all had eyes that moved. Like and oh. that was so. In the travel documentary, they go to the theater, and there's like all these like maestro marionette people. Yeah, and uh, they have a sound of music performance in marionette. Wait, like the movie. So, a... yeah. So it's the oh, sound no. of music play. In marionette. Wait, do they have Wait. the marionettes do a marionette show? The marionettes do marionettes. No. Yeah. <laughs> There's an inception. Oh no. There's a marionette inception. Marionettes all the way down. Yeah. Wait, did they? Yeah. So in the movie, did they have the kids actually operating the marionettes? Because you see a no so way. You see scenes of them doing it. So, offhand, <laughs> Julie Andrews, when she's <clears throat> interviewing the marionette person, because she's the host of this whole documentary, says offhand that her and the kids were doing the marionette. Really? But I, I don't know if she means that the whole thing was her. Right. They must have right. had like pros do it. Because that's really hard. Yeah. It's it's so hard. Yeah, yeah, like that's not something you just pick up and do. They show marionette puppeteers. There's probably a specialized term for it, but the puppeteers <laughs> are doing it, and they they're all in a line standing on either side of this like opening and they're holding the like the popsicle sticks or whatever <laughs> that they have and they uh, they're passing back and forth so it's not like you have one marionette and you're operating it you're right. operating it for the moment and then as the scene changes they pass the puppets to how each other how do you other. not get the wires all tangled I think I that's know, how right? is you have to like pass from operator oh to God. operator to like keep them separated this is one of these like Weird specialized skills that is ridiculous <laughs> yes. and incredibly hard and like, not transferable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. like, this, this is like it's similar to like when I see someone like really good at like devil sticks. What the hell is devil Which sticks? Ones, those, yeah. those things where you like you you oh. have the like thing that you like. It's like one stick that you like bounce back and forth between yes. oh, other right. sticks. And there are people that are just like incredible at it. But I was like. Whenever I see that, I'm like, why? Like, why? <laughs> why did you do I, I don't understand why you've invested so much time with this. Because it looks like, cool and they find it fun. Yeah, like it probably it's not, is fun. It's not a transferable I guess. skill. I guess it's there's like, a general manual yeah. dexterity behind it that is relatively transferable. Yeah, I, guess. I guess there's like an anarchy to it where it like complete it like exists completely outside of capitalism because like you can't like <laughs> get a job like doing. You'd Devil have, sticks. You'd have to work at a, <laughs> yeah. uh, permanently at a rent fair, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about it. Exactly. But I just, with skills like that, I'm always perplexed by where it's like, I, I don't get it. Like, I mean, why, can, why? If you want to, this sounds like. It's a, not a social activity, right? right? So you can't right. like, do it together. Well, no, yeah. the devil sticks are. They have people that like pass them back and forth between each other. <laughs> so multiple people have learned this. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, like, it, it's play probably catch like them. for me and like pencil twirling. It's just something you do when you're bored and then suddenly you're good at it because you're bored a lot. Yeah, but like you can buy like a thousand pencils for like five bucks, right? Like with devil <laughs> sticks, you have to invest like. Money and practice time. And oh, there's like, like special. You can't like do scene. other things while you're doing your devil sticks, <laughs> yeah. right? You got to focus on the sticks, oh. right? Because there's there, there's sticks that are like wrapped in this rubber, yeah. And then the the third stick that you're not holding, like spins around on the other sticks, and they're pretty good size. They're like okay. good, uh, not quite three feet, but probably two feet. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I know what you're. This is up about. there with like cup stacking or like yeah, yeah. 
skills like this that are like have no tangible well, there's tournaments benefit. for those. That's true. You can, you can and then money. yeah, and then uh, your YouTube clip ends up in one of the biggest dubstep songs ever. Oh, I don't listen to dubstep because I have ears. Okay, well, there's a Skrillex song, and there's a part where there's a girl saying yes, oh my god, during the song, uh -huh. and that's from a cup stacking video. <laughs> like a this little girl like does cup stacking and like breaks a world record and says yes, oh my god. It's a world and record. Skrillex took that clip and put it in the song, and it's his biggest song. Okay, well maybe that's it then. Like there's a there's a drive to just like towards being good at things. Maybe that's yeah worthwhile, right? Like there's the people like there's this video I saw of a guy who. I had like, I don't know, 30 Rubik's Cubes in front of him that were all mixed up. And he examines all of them for like 10 or 15 minutes and puts them back in the same order, is blindfolded, solves all the Rubik's Cubes, and yeah. takes his blindfold off. It was insane. There's That's a lot incredible. of people. I mean, but there's like a memory things. application to that, right? right? That like, oh, clearly there is. Yeah. <laughs> there would have to be. It was the craziest thing I've seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand how anyone could do that. I'm impressed I'm, by I'm the people who can juggle Rubik's Cubes and solve them while they're juggling. Right. Yeah, there was a recently a clip of a kid on like a Chinese game show yeah. who like was juggling three it's and super like broke the record on it or wow. something on TV. It was wow. like they're like, America's Got Talent. I'm willing to give Rubik's Cube a pass. <laughs> Marionettes, very unsettling. Don't like it. Yeah, yeah I'm not. But gonna... Austrians do. Apparently. I'm not, I'm not even convinced of that. <laughs> what the heck? That's why they didn't bring it to the festival. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, uh, well, we have strayed far from, <laughs> from Sound of Music at this point. I think this is integral to Sound of Music. <laughs> okay. Because like, there's, there's a moment in the film where you're like, what is going on? Why are we doing this? Yeah, well, it must be because it's Austrian and we're in Austria. It has to be that. That's the only explanation. The Austrian tourism board was like, you have to have one marionette scene in this movie. This I also bit. like do not like that song. I think it's no, by it's, far the worst song in the movie. I don't it's, remember it's it. Annoying. It's annoying. Yeah, it's incredibly annoying. I want him to just stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I can definitely do without that scene, period. Just just sing the Doe Deer song again or something. They also, yeah. when they finish the play, they run out around the sides and all have like a big belly laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. like a <laughs> That was so fun. Yeah. yeah. It's like, this looks like torture. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it made right. me wonder what the family does because you just see them in the house and like frolicking around Salzburg the entire movie, right? You never see them in school or anything. I mean, they're obviously like quite wealthy. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And the timeline of this movie is kind of strange because it, it seems like Maria shows up at the house, the uh, f dad leaves the next day, right? So she's alone with these kids for a month. They learn how to be expert singers during that and month. And guitarists. And guitarists and yeah. marionettists yeah. during that month. And then the dad comes back and like the rest of the movie plays out over the course of a few weeks. Or maybe a, so. I guess it's all one summer, so they haven't had a chance to go to school yet. That, it has to be right, and this, they do the sixteen going on seventeen song at the beginning and the end of the movie. So she hasn't had a birthday, so we know it's <laughs> definitely less than a year. It seemed like okay. the implication was the governess is like also their teacher. That they're like right. there were not like public <clears throat> schools. There were like boarding schools, which the the baroness makes reference right. to. That's right. a threat. Like, yeah, so ship them out. Yeah. yeah. I want to take care of them. Let the school take care yeah, of exactly. it. Exactly. The, Are there no poorhouses? They're rich person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah. yeah, I think that I agree that the timeline in this movie gets a little funky. That's why I was like looking up uh, like Austrian history. I was trying to figure out like in reality where this lined up. But well, it tells you at the beginning of the movie yeah. the the last golden days of, of the, the 30s. 30s. Yeah. yeah, right. Were the 30s that golden in that region? I don't know. They sure look golden in this movie. I guess so. until I mean, the Nazis show up. Yeah, if you're a fascist, it's a golden <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Anyway, uh, I like this movie. I'm glad we watched it. I'm surprised that I it's liked it. It's a great it. film. Um, yeah. I would even consider watching it again someday. Yeah. But Definitely awesome. glad to have seen it. All right, One good. Of iconic scenes. Uh, I had not, so while I'd heard the Doa Deer song before, I didn't see the actual, like, the scene. That's great. And as we've mentioned before, it's fantastic. So very glad to have yeah. seen that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we will be back in a moment with things we have seen. Stay tuned. And we're back with things we've seen where we review and discuss other movies that we have seen as individuals. More contemporary stuff, usually. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, so have you seen anything more contemporary <laughs> this week, Charles? <laughs> That's a funny lead-in. Okay, so Wilson and I recently saw the 70 millimeter re-release of 2001 A Space Odyssey, which we have previously done on the show. Um, but I immediately love this movie as... You might know if you listened to that episode. One of our better episodes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, this is actually my third time seeing it in theaters now within the last like year and a half. So it's a lot of times <laughs> seeing this because I actually went and saw it at the <clears throat> Alamo Draft House. They like teamed up with Mondo and they gave out T-shirts and stuff. Um, but yeah, this is a um, 70 millimeter re-release that's been getting some press because like Christopher Nolan yeah. went out and made it or like, yeah. treated it. It was film. his idea. Uh, and I mean, the movie's great. Still, like, <laughs> I'll never get tired of watching it. It was incredible. Uh, I'm not sure how much difference the 70 millimeter cut made. Um, it had a nice, like, kind of old time filmy look to it because uh, all the scenes looked a little uh, like cracklier. Grainy. Is how I would describe it. Yeah, grainy. Yeah. That's the right term. Film grain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it had that like fully. Uh, so you, it has a kind of classic look to it, I guess. Uh, it brings it a bit of that warmth, sort of like you know listening to a record uh, when you listen to music. Uh, and it was amusing how loud the projector was. Yes, I was going to bring hear that up too. Every time when there wasn't like music. Um, but clip through like a reel or something. Yeah, like, like yeah. They, that's so. They just had a projector up there, film running through a reel. Wow. Yeah, that's but awesome. It is. It was really cool. So yeah, I was there with. We saw it at the same time, um, on the, in the Cinema City in the East Village, yeah. and it was a really cool theater. So like we were kind of like in a balcony situation. Oh yeah, yeah. A little it, bit. <laughs> it was kind. It was like one of those fancier theaters where you look yeah. up and there's like a big old like decorated dome. Right. So it's clearly a. I've, I've been to that theater before um, to see contemporary movies because they have like their regular theaters downstairs and then the one that's preserved upstairs. And I hadn't been to this particular theater yet, and it's really cool. Like it, it's a really neat place to watch movies, especially this movie. Um, and yeah, I think what I've I had never seen it in a theater before. And for me, the 70 millimeter definitely made a difference, although I didn't have 35 to compare it to. Uh, it, it, it feels like you are in it, right? It feels like it's just taking up the entire room. Yeah. And especially the sound, I think, is the biggest difference here, mm -hmm. right? Like the sound, it, you have a professional giant sound system running through this high quality film. Yep. Like it, and sound is so important to that movie. Like you Being immersed in the music is so nice. Right, well, and that you can't run away from the abrasive sounds, right? Like, there are so right. many hostile noises in that There's in a that lot film. of, like, warning sounds that are much louder. Yeah, well, and go on much longer than you think they yeah. will or should. <laughs> and, and I think that really draws you into the movie more. Uh, we saw it with a mutual friend who had never seen the movie at all before, mm -hmm. and it was fun to see someone experience it for the first time that way. Um, yeah, she was thankfully blown. Well, when away. they like it, because I understand this is a very <coughs> polarizing movie. It, it, that, I, I've heard that see, too. So I was glad that she enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I'm really glad I went. Um, I'm really glad I went, and so I think this kind of 
for me, absolves Chris Nolan of many of his other sins <laughs> that he has, he has committed. Yeah, so He's going to have to just make a few more 70 millimeter movies. Yeah, or, uh, yeah. Let, let's get okay. another print of Lawrence of Arabia out there, and then maybe yeah. <laughs> I'll forgive him for Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, so there, there were complaints online about how many of the scenes in this movie, well, basically every scene in this movie are discolored because the, the color quality has been changed um, to give it some sort of look. I didn't really notice it. I, I think it's hard to, to notice the difference if you're not looking at them side by side. They look very pronounced with the screenshots online, but you don't notice it while watching the movie, yeah, so that's not too you? big of a deal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you've seen the movie like a hundred times, you'll probably notice a difference. I think some of the scenes are a little more green tinted, Yeah. Well, um, but it wasn't a big deal to me. Uh, and obviously the movie looks great on the big screen, so. Yeah, that's, that is a, a pedantic complaint, yeah. <laughs> I think. But yeah, no, I, if this, this uh, printing has been kind of making the round around the country, I think, um, and it's getting relatively short runs here and there for theaters equipped yeah, to so run 70 millimeter. It's a little more of a limited event, so if yeah. um, you're interested in that, you've got to seek it out. Yeah, yeah, so if you live in a decent sized city, it's probably going to show up, one of these prints, but um, it's worth it, it's definitely, yep. even, if you, even if you've seen the movie before. Yep. Um, what about you, Crossman? Anything good? No. Um, Never. Uh, you always say no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched a, uh, a Netflix movie. <clears throat> okay. Um, I was just, you know, kind of scrolling through Netflix, trying to figure out what to watch, and uh -huh. there was this movie called uh, Singularity. Um, sure. And in the, like, little trailers that they play now, because Netflix has started to, like, play, right. like, a short trailer for each film. Mm -hmm. Um they were look like all these like kind of mech warrior robots. Like, yes, I'm so <laughs> old. Yeah. I know. I was like, I almost like threw it to Charles. Like, hey, have you like Watch seen this? Yeah. Um, I watched the like first fifteen to twenty minutes. Uh, stars John Cusack. Sure. Uh, it, very surprising to see him pop up, but I guess his career has been on the rocks for a while, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it looked terrible as soon as I started watching it. It looks like a like a Roger Corman style like sci-fi film where the CGI like doesn't line up properly What's with he everything. He, he's like a known noted B-movie actor okay. who did like a lot of the movies that were on the sci-fi channel. Okay. Um, and like other terrible movies. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's basically the plot of Terminator <coughs> 4, which is the Christian Bale one where there's a Terminator. Salvation. Uh, who like. <laughs> Probably. Looks like a human, but doesn't know that he's a Terminator. Okay. Right? Do, do you so he's a Cylon. Thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a Cylon plot. <laughs> Got it. So <laughs> I don't know why you decide to copy <clears throat> that Terminator, because that's like the one that nobody remembers or cares about. Like, if you you should, if you're gonna, evidenced by this conversation. If you're going to copy Terminator, copy one or two, yeah. right? Or particularly two, because that's the one that like that's everybody the, remembers. The good ones, yeah. Um, the other red flag that this movie threw up very early in the film is it, it did one of those like double to triple intros where it's like you have an on-screen text then you have someone kind of narrating what the situation is then you start your plot then it jumped forward 97 years <laughs> 97, I don't know why 97 chose 97 and then we see the same character that was introduced to us uh, be the same age 97 years later 97 years later and it was like oh this is the this is terminator salvation like <laughs> yeah well at that point uh, the guy knows he's not he's not a human right no he doesn't no how could he how could he possibly not know 
because this is a bad movie. That's okay. why. Because <laughs> that's why. Um, Doesn't make any sense. So I turned it off. Uh, the, the reason I actually wanted to talk about this film today, though, is that I think Netflix is in trouble when their contract ends with Disney. All mm-hmm. the good films uh, on Netflix right now are Disney films. So like Thor Ragnarok, yeah. all the Pixar, the number of Pixar films, uh, like the live action Disney All <laughs> oh, right, movies. I need to watch Coco one of these days. It's on Netflix. It's on it? Netflix right watch now. It, yeah. And the, the Netflix <clears throat> agreement with Disney is ending because Disney is starting a Netflix competitor. Of course they are. Ugh. And when they start it, they're going to crush Netflix because Netflix clearly has no idea how to make original content. People are already complaining that you never find anything good on Netflix. It's, it's what... In back in the day, would be direct to VHS or direct to DVD movies, and that's what this direct to Netflix. <laughs> that's what this movie is tip, typical of, of the quality of the films that they're making right now, which is bad, very bad actually, yeah, and plentiful, and and but there's a lot of them. Well, because yeah. they need a content yeah. library, because when the Disney films get pulled out of that library they're not going to have anything good. Yeah. Um, they're going to have a lot of docu... Netflix is very good at making documentaries. Yeah. Um, the Chef's Table documentaries are incredible. Making Murderer was on uh, Netflix. is incredible. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of good um, things about this uh, Staircase. The Staircase is another Making a Murderer style show, apparently. Yeah. Um, their documentaries are very good. They have a few good original shows. I think Kimmy Schmidt is one that people like. They got Orange yep. is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, though, I think the bench is pretty thin, and I I bet a lot of alarm bells are going off at Netflix headquarters that like they don't have good content. And well, they, uh, they got a huge head start because they had the good idea first. Yes, right, and that advantage is you're correct, it's running out, and they have less yes. of the power because they're not the ones making the good content that people want from them. Right, yeah. and so all the people who make the content have all the power. They just they do this thing. They do I, what I, Disney's doing. I think it also underlines that Disney owns all good content right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where yeah. they own Marvel, they own Star Wars, <clears throat> they own Pixar, they own the entire, the Disney vault, obviously, which mm-hmm. is the most valuable media property in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, they own ABC, so we can bl- thank them for Roseanne. They own ESPN. <laughs> They're about to buy Fox. Fox. They, yeah. I believe they just got approved to do this. Or, like, it's going to... There's going to be a fight about it. Of course it's going to happen, yeah. Yeah, they're going to buy it. Um, So all media is now owned by Disney, Mm -hmm. and it's, like, that that is an issue. Like, and Netflix is, like, if I owned Netflix stock, I would probably start to sell it right now because it's probably going to take a big hit when Disney leaves. When's that contract up? Uh, I think it's soon. It's in the near future, like okay. within a year, I believe. Yeah, like, Disney is checking off the days. <laughs> That's and for sure. Netflix has been spending money almost as fast as Tesla has been spending money <laughs> to try and create content. And they, I believe, they're like multiple billions of dollars in debt because they've been financing all this content making. Yeah, well, they're trying to transition into it like a distribution studio. They want, yeah, they want yeah. to be a studio. Yeah, that, and they have a Netflix studio, right? Yeah, that, that's uh, I think where they're moving, uh, because everyone else has figured out that hey, I can just set up my own streaming service. Yeah, and I think for sure they figured out with documentaries. Wormwood is another. Yeah, I mean it's an Errol Morris film, but they bought it and they're distributing it, and mm-hmm. it's great that it has a home. But uh, if if what they're making is exemplified by Singularity, which I think it is because it was one of the oh featured <laughs> films on Netflix. Like, this is not a not a good sign for Netflix feature. Bummer. Yeah. So, 
that's why I wanted to talk about this film. It's a garbage film. Don't watch it. But I think the context around this is, is interesting. It's worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Disney should be broken up. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. It is ridiculous. It's bad for the world. Yeah, it is yeah. ridiculous that they Exist. own all the all the things that they own. Yeah, if, yeah. if antitrust laws meant anything at all anymore, they would be long gone. Clearly they don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, copyright laws, too. <laughs> yeah, that, too. Because <laughs> the... Copyright laws have been bent specifically <coughs> for Mickey Mouse for many decades. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. definitely true. Um, yeah. I don't know what else. This, other than to say that this is bad, uh, you're like in. Yep. Yeah. You're, you're right. It's bad. Yeah. I think, but as just like an individual, I, I don't think we could do much about it other than vote for politicians that are. I guess. Anti-monopoly Assassinate Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also used a streaming service this weekend. That was not Netflix. Um, so I'm, one of, I'm in the, I don't know, relatively narrow band of the target audience for Filmstruck, which is the streaming service that get, got the Criterion Collection after Hulu lost it. And they recently got the um, Warner Brothers vault. So a lot of the classic films... Um, are on Filmstruck now. Many we have watched, like Casablanca and Lawrence of Arabia and stuff in that category. Um, so I watched Bonnie and Clyde this weekend, which I had not seen since I was in college, I think. That movie is still great. Um, I don't know if either of you have ever seen it. I have not seen it. Uh, I haven't. Okay, it's yeah. good. Um, and it, it holds up. It's very anti-cop, um, which I think kind of makes sense for the 70s. Like, it came out in that era as this as American film is responding to the French New Wave, you can see very strong influences from Godard and Breathless and movies like that in this film. Uh, for those unfamiliar, it takes place in uh, the 30s. The man and the woman, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, team up to, to rob banks, and it is famous Loosely for- Loosely a true story. Right? Yeah, and, and yeah. probably more of a true story than Sound of Music was. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was an actual Bonnie and Clyde. There are, yes, there were. Um, what, how close their story lines up with what's in this movie is a matter of historical debate. Okay. But uh, what I think this movie is notable for is its very sympathetic portrayal of criminals. Okay, so it, it shows its age a little bit. It's still a little bit of ramshackle. It makes some uneven story beat connections, but it's still definitely worth watching. Um, it's important historically uh, within film and still holds up as just a, a piece of entertainment and two great performances from uh, Holden and, and Faye Dunaway. You also get to see the film debut from Gene Wilder as a man they kidnap and then pretend, er, and then uh, befriend, which is amusing just to see Gene Wilder in general in movies. And uh, yeah, it's worth it. So if you have a film strip, Struck subscription, go check it out. Um, if you don't have a Filmstruck subscription, consider it. Like I, I like it a lot. I, I endorse the service. It's good. And I'm going to try to pick more movies from there so I don't have to pay for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are we watching next week? Probably? Next week we're on a highway to the danger zone. <laughs> uh, we're going to watch oh, Top Gun. We're going to watch Top Gun. Uh, so I've wanted to do this movie for a long time. Specifically, I've wanted to do a Tom Cruise movie in general. Um, and this is the one that made him famous and still an underrated performance and a great summer movie and a great Fourth of July movie. So Top Gun is the pick. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you're liking the show, please keep listening and share it with people and talk about it. We don't advertise, so it makes a difference. And join us next week for Top Gun.